0: We're in the middle of a, of a sermon series called Sons of Issachar, and I was preparing for that final message, part four, this week, and I know the Lord spoke to me, and He redirected my steps specifically for today's message in light of all that's going on. I intend to pick up part four next week, but today, the Lord just kind of interrupted things, and He reminded me of a word that He gave me about three or four years ago. That has served me considerably well uh, in my life since then. And the Lord brought that to me very heavy this week. And as I began to pray and study over that, I knew that this was the word that the Lord wanted to bring this morning. So, if you have your Bibles with you right now in your living room, uh, wherever you're at, go ahead and open them up to the book of James chapter 1. James chapter 1. And we're going to read verses 1 through 4. So let's start out doing that, and then we'll, we'll enter in. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. Greetings. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Let's pray. Lord, we just ask you for an impartation today. God, we ask you to speak to us in our time of need. Encourage us. Build us up, God. Strengthen our spirit, man, our faith, uh, and just really continue to encourage each and every one of us in the different places that we are right now, yet coming together here online as as a community. I ask that you would speak through me, God, that your voice would be heard clearly through me today, uh, and that you would do exactly what you want to do in the homes and the lives of each and every person that are listening right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, the title of this message this morning is called Faith Under Pressure, Faith Under Pressure. And when the Lord gave me this word a few years ago, this is the way it came to me, is these four verses in the epistle of James almost opened up to me like a playbook, if, if you will, from the Lord. Like, this was part of a playbook that God has given us for how we are to handle trials and difficulties in our lives. We know we're all going to face them, and we know we're all facing them right now. But my question to you this morning is, how do you handle trials? How do you handle trials? Because trials really are an opportunity for our faith to get stronger, for us to get closer to God, and for us to build our spiritual maturity through these difficult seasons and situations that we go through if we will allow the works and the process of the Lord to to play out that way. Now, this is a little different than you, how you might normally be used to me preaching. Um, many times, I'll do a sermon and I'll be preaching around a topic or subject matter, and we'll comb through a whole a whole lot of the Bible uh, and and teach on that. But today is something that is called an expository or expositional sermon, and really, all I'm going to do is I'm going to stick with these four verses right here and the epistle to James, and we're going to break them down almost word for word to see the message and the teaching that's in this about how we can respond and handle trials successfully in our lives. Now, let me say this, first of all, about James. Many of you know this, some of you might not, but this author, James, who was also an apostle, was, the, was a brother of Jesus himself. The Gospel of Mark tells us that Jesus had four brothers, and he had some sisters, too. We're not sure how many, but James was one of them. And it appears that while Jesus was alive uh, before he went to the cross, that James actually never believed in him. His faith was never there in Jesus as the Messiah. And I've thought about that before. Like, imagine if your brother came to you and shared with you that he was the Son of God. I mean... Sometimes we we give people a bad rap in the scriptures, but I I can understand how that might have been a difficult thing for James to grasp and to just contemplate. But praise God, it also tells us later on in the book of Acts that James was one of the people who bared witness to and saw the resurrected Christ before he ascended back to the throne at the right hand of God. James went on to become a significant apostle and one of the main leaders, if not the main leader, in the New Testament church in Jerusalem. Jewish history tells us that he was martyred later on. He was martyred through stoning. And uh, So he died for his faith, but he really fought the fight, and I think that ought to encourage some of you out there today that maybe you're at a point where you're just now starting to open your heart to Jesus, to faith, trying to just see if maybe this is you know, the direction that you need to go in your life. Uh, Even the brother of Jesus James was at a point where he doubted and he wasn't sure But then God opened up his eyes And obviously he was able to walk out and fulfill the calling that God had for him So let's go ahead and dig in to these verses uh, In chapter 1 verses 1 through 4 The first part that I want to share with you Is this opening line where James says to the 12 tribes who are scattered abroad. And this is actually something that I... The Lord never showed me this a few years ago when He gave this word to me. This is something that He only more recently revealed. Uh, But it says that they were scattered abroad, which means dispersed. Now, the reason that they were scattered in these scriptures... Um, In fact, many times over the centuries when there was persecution, the people of God, the tribes of Israel, they they were scattered throughout the land. Um, But so that was the case in, in this situation. The emperor, or I'm sorry, Herod was persecuting Christians. And so they were kind of fleeing for safety and they were scattered throughout all of the land. But this is what the Lord told me here this week about this. He said, you know, my people right now through everything that's going on, are feeling a little bit scattered. It makes sense. It means to be dispersed, to spread out, you know, kind of be at far distances from one another. And with these lockdowns and quarantines, that certainly feels that way for me. I don't know about you. But this is what the Lord said. I loved it. He said, Although my people may be or feel scattered, you are not to be divided. Isn't that something? That we can be kind of apart right now, and we pray this doesn't last very long. But ultimately, even though we are connecting remotely and online, digitally, all these things, that we still, as a people of God and as a church, we do not have to be divided. We can stay united right now. But the scriptures also tell us in Ephesians that in order for us to to be united, we have to contend and strive for that spirit of unity. So there's things that many of us are being forced to do right now that are uncomfortable, abnormal, changes in our everyday lives. I would just say we've got to be flexible and we've got to be willing to adapt and understand that we are contending for unity in the body of Christ and as a church no matter what. And praise God through technology and other means, there's still a way for us to be able to do that. So he says to the 12 tribes who are scattered abroad... And then he goes into this opening line and he says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. So let's take a look at the word various. Various trials. That just means that there's all kinds of different trials that are going to come at us. Have you dealt with different trials throughout your life? I'm sure you have. I know I've dealt with trials in my life job situations, I've dealt with trials in my relationships. We've had marriage trials over the years. We've fought trials with raising our kids. I mean, there's a whole number of things, right? Here's the point is that trials are going to come at us really in every area of our life that we have at different points. You can expect that. What's important is that we somehow have a way where we're equipped and prepared to be able to fight and overcome those various trials that will hit us at different seasons in our lives. So there's a variety of different kinds. Let's take a look at this coronavirus situation that we're dealing with right now. This is a trial that's new. Probably almost everyone on this, uh, on this live stream right now has never had to deal with something like this. This is entirely new and different. Than anything we've ever seen. And there'll be new trials in our future that we'll face down the road that are different than anything we've ever seen. But at the same time, the Word of God, the promises of God, and the principles of Scriptures, when properly applied to our lives in faith, do not change. So principles that we're looking at today of overcoming trials, yes, this coronavirus may be a brand new trial we've never seen before, but these principles in scripture from our unchanging God are still active, alive, operable, and effective in our lives today, right now. I want to build your faith and encourage you in that, that these lessons, this teaching is something we can apply right now and live in victory over this present trial that we face today. So there's a variety of them. He also says uh, that we will fall into various trials. To fall into something means that we can literally fall into it in such a way where we literally become surrounded by it. Like it's, it's everywhere around us in the way that it's affecting us. Let me say this first of all. When it comes to falling into trials. There are trials that are unavoidable. I would say this coronavirus is something that none of us saw coming and probably could not have avoided or properly prepared for. But there are trials that sometimes we fall into that we should avoid and can avoid. And sometimes we fall into a trial that's even of our own doing. Proverbs tells us that some, some people will dig a hole and dig a pit for themselves, and then they'll fall into that same pit. So we need to use wisdom And not be foolish. Foolishness is just how Proverbs also says, as a dog returns to his own vomit, so a fool or a foolish person will return to their folly. We need to learn our lessons from previous mistakes and mistakes of others and use wisdom to avoid those pitfalls that we know are out in front of us. I know I think about for myself uh, in the mornings on Sundays or different times when Katie my wife she'll come in and she'll say babe how do I look today does this look good on me I don't feel like I look good in this listen I've learned my lesson if I don't answer that she looks beautiful, that she looks wonderful, then I'm a fool and I'm going to fall into a pit that I ought to know I ought to avoid, right? Of course she always looks beautiful and she always... Can I get a little fist bump emoji from all the husbands and all the dudes watching right now? A little fist bump emoji. Thank you very much. We're not going to fall into that, that trial over and over again. Amen? Oh, some trials can be avoided, but some cannot. He says that we're to count it all joy. This is where this starts to get really good for me. He says we count it all joy. That means everything. That means in every situation of our lives, everything we go through, mountaintops and valleys alike, that we should be able to count it all joy. We know that when things are great, it's easy to be happy. It's easy to be joyful. I'll liken that to the example in scriptures when Jesus says it's easy to love someone who loves you back. It's easy to help someone who's going to give you something in return. It's hard to love your enemies though. It's hard to help someone who can do nothing for you in return, but that's where it really matters. And I would just say to us today that we need to be able to look at our lives and situations we're facing even in difficult times and still be able to find the joy in the moment that we're in. Count it all joy, the Bible says. The word joy is really, really amazing. I'm going to give you the expanded definition of what this word means. It means the awareness of the favor and grace of God or grace recognized. Grace recognized. Listen, it's our ability to look around in the midst of a trial in a situation and still be able to say, I see the grace of God right now. I feel the grace of God right now in my life. Because let me tell you something. If you're a child of God, it is always There, it is never away from you. The grace of God that saves your soul abounds in the life of a son or daughter of God. The only question is, are we able to look around and recognize it and be aware of it and see it in those moments and times that we're in? You see, right now we find ourselves in a situation where a lot of temporal pleasures Luxuries and conveniences, many of which I enjoy myself. But a lot of them, folks, are fading away right now. They're kind of being taken away right now because of the trial that we find ourselves in as a people. But here's what I want to encourage you with today. The grace of God is not fading one in its effectiveness to move in your life and in your situation. The grace of God and the favor of God is not quarantined, it's not separated, and it's not isolated from you. If you'll look around and see it now in the moment, it's as alive and powerful as ever before and it's there to meet you in your moment if you'll see it and have faith for it and appreciate all that you know you have in the Lord that none of these temporal trials and situations can take away from you. You see what James is saying is the way you face a trial, the way you deal with difficulty, is not necessarily by being consumed and and overwhelmed with the trial. It's by staying focused on the grace of God that's there, recognizing it, being aware of it at all times. He says we count all things joy, or consider all things joy, which means to esteem it first. I love this. It's almost like an, uh, an order of things that he sets for us. He says that you need to to step back in a trial, in a situation, and you need to lead with, esteem, or first count the joy in your life. See the grace of God in your life. That's what you lead with in everything you do. Let that be the forerunner, the frontrunner, in the way you handle and fight the trials and situations that are coming against you. Don't you love that? Count it all joy be aware of the grace of god in your life at all times because it is there and that will produce these next parts of these verses we're going to look at that are the keys to overcoming the trial is recognizing the grace of god that's still here with us right now and can never be taken from us from a trial or a temporal worldly situation praise god can we get some amens on the live feed right now hallelujah I'm feeling it right now, even though we're here online, I'm telling you, I'm feeling it. So looking at a trial, this is what I started to see, that a trial is going to do in our life if we allow it to. You see, the trial, it's the affliction, it's the struggle, it's the difficulty, we know that. But here's the real threat of the trial, (laughs) This is so good. It's not the trial itself. Yeah, there are inconveniences. There are a lot of consequences and difficulties. I don't want to make light of that. But the real threat of the trial is that it would interrupt or break the pattern of our awareness of that rhythm of grace that's flowing in and through our lives. You see, the threat of the trial is that it comes and interrupts our life in such a way that we take our eyes off the grace of God. We stop seeing the grace of God first in the way we approach everything, and then we begin to give the trial the front-runner position in our mind, in our lives, and in the situation. If it interrupts that pattern of the awareness of the grace of God, then it'll begin to wreak havoc on your soul, on your mind, on your spiritual health and your life. And that is not what children of God are meant to do. We're to live from a level, sound-minded, calm position, fully secure, in an all-powerful, protecting God. A trial has the ability to disrupt us, though, like that throw us off our course and then we begin to get inundated and consumed with the trial and, and start forgetting about the grace of God that's still in abundance over us in our lives. It just tries to break the flow. I know Katie and I, we, we mess around with each other. We're kind of competitive, you know, and uh, we'll have these little arguments when we're in the car about who's a better driver and everything and we all know it's me so no need to really go into that too much further. But... Um, one of the things that I've tried to tell her is we live out in the country on some back roads and you know get pretty dark obviously without street lights and stuff and there's deer all over the place and so when deer would run out in front of you you know she'd sometimes like jerk the wheel or she'd flinch or she'd kind of startle her and she'd try to avoid the deer and uh and I look I'm I love animals and I'm a respecter of wildlife and hunter and all that so just you know, don't get tiffy whenever I tell you this, but what I am always telling her is you don't jerk the wheel. You don't pull away. If a deer jumps out in front of you and you got a cargo of kids and you and you're driving down the road, you, you just have to drive right through it. I mean, it's going to damage the car a little bit, but you and the kids, you're going to be just fine. If you jerk the wheel and you pull off, you have an opportunity to run into a tree or a telephone pole, off into a ditch, and that could create a lot of harm. And I was just thinking about that situation today where it's like a trial has the threat of doing that in our lives. We're focused on the grace of God, the awareness of his goodness in our lives and we're just kind of driving down that road of life seeing that. And then the trial is kind of like this deer jumps out in front and tries to get us to pull off and shift and take our focus off of the grace in our life and then all of a sudden react to the trial and before you know it we've ran off the road and now we're in a bunch of trouble and we're in a bunch of harm. So just continue to stay focused on the grace of God that abounds in your life as you go about handling and fighting the trials that you're facing. A trial will attempt to interrupt and break that flow of your awareness of the grace of God in your lives. It says that the testing of our faith produces patience or endurance, and endurance has its perfect work. This idea of testing our faith, let's face it, this isn't something that we all particularly look forward to, Um, but anything strong can survive a test, right? Many things are tested. Soldiers are tested of their resolve and their fortitude in in the battlefield. Ships are tested in the seas and in the waves when they sail. A child of God, our faith is tested in times of trial. The genuineness of that faith will be revealed during difficulties and storms and fires. And it's in those moments where our faith needs to rise up and get stronger. Whenever we hear we face trials and difficulties, listen, many times it will expose weaknesses in our faith. It will. Now, I don't want you to get discouraged by that. I want you to see that as an opportunity. If you hit a trial and you realize, oh man, I I didn't react properly here. My faith isn't where I know it needs to be here. Look, just be thankful that weakness was exposed during a trial so that you can ask God to build and grow your faith through that difficult situation so that you could come out of that stronger than you were whenever you went into that and if we'll allow trials to sort of have their way in our lives in a godly process that's exactly what it will do for us it'll make our faith faith stronger and we'll be more prepared for future obstacles when we come to them and when we face them but that trial as we're being tested in our faith, if we respond wrongly, it, it certainly has the opportunity for us to go into a situation that can bring us a whole lot more harm. It's really how we respond to it. It's what I'm trying to, to say that makes all the difference in the world as far as the outcome goes. So know that a trial, yeah, it can be a test and it will put our faith to the test and it may expose weaknesses. But at the same time, it's doing a work in each and every one of us through that. If we'll allow God to continue to lead us and keep our eyes focused on Him, His goodness and His grace, that trial will make our faith stronger. It says it produces uh, patience. Another word in the English that's used in other versions is endurance, which I actually like better because that word really means that the outcome of having our faith tested in trials and us standing strong is that it produces a stronger faith over the long haul I'm gonna tell you something right now uh, that you may know but of all the people that I've continued to come in contact with in my lives the people who seem to be the strongest men and women of faith I mean that their faith is just solid and steady are the ones who have shared stories with me about great trials and great difficulties they've been through in their lives and they had the ability to see that God was still good and he led them through that and they came out stronger than they were before. Many of the comments that I've heard people say is, Pastor, I never knew that I would have never thought that I was that strong. I would have never thought that I would be able to get through something like that if you would have told me beforehand But it was only by, get this, the grace of God that I was able to get through that. And here I am stronger now on the other side. Wouldn't wish it upon anybody. Wouldn't want to go through it again. But I'm thankful that I did because it helped me get to the place that I am now today. An unwavering, steady, unshakable faith even in the midst of trials. And then it says that this process, guys has its perfect work in us, that we may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Perfect and complete is a term that speaks to spiritual maturity. You may have figured this out by now, but our faith can grow and mature, or it can stay weak. It all depends on how we allow God to really lead us and guide us and stay focused on Him and trusting Him so that our faith grows and matures. Frankly, nothing produces that strength and maturity in our faith, and our spirit, man, the way a trial does. It says this makes us perfect and complete and that we are lacking nothing. Oh, praise God. What a great discovery. A great discovery for every one of us in the middle of a trial, to really recognize as we battle those things that we actually have everything we need in God. Yeah, we may not have all the luxuries and pleasantries that we're accustomed to right now and all that, but if we really step back and we look around, we will recognize, I fully believe, if we'll see through our spiritual eyes that we have everything we need, even in these moments of difficulty, In our loving Heavenly Father, we are lacking nothing. And as we go through this, we will prevail. We will get stronger. And praise God, He sees things in your future already and knows where He's taking you. And I just want to encourage you and submit to you now that He is preparing you. He is building your faith. He is strengthening you. For trials and difficulties that still lie ahead in your future, that are a part of the journey of your path that God is leading you down in your destiny. He knows that we need to get stronger. He knows we need to be more prepared. To those who much is given, much is required, God is fitting us for the journey that we're on so that we will be prepared and ready in the moments that we're coming to to bring Him honor and glory. Hallelujah, praise God for that today. I want to close with this. I want to encourage you to step back right now in the moment that you're in. All of us facing the difficulties around us in our communities, step back and I want you to turn your spiritual eyes and your spiritual ears to a high level of alert. And I want you to see where God is at in the moments right now, because he's there He's moving, and He's working. If we're not looking for Him, we may not see Him. But if we will attempt to sort of turn our Wi-Fi signals on, right? There can be a signal floating around this building, but if my device isn't turned on and tuned in to find that signal and bring it down, it'll never actually connect. The grace of God is all around you. It's all around us in our life right now, but we have to sort of tune ourselves in and train ourselves to look and to see where His grace is all around us in these present moments. And then lead with that awareness and that understanding as we move forward to approach the trials and difficulties that we might face. And we will walk steadfastly and of sound mind and we will prevail. But here's the thing. If you do not know Christ, if you do not have a personal relationship with Him, then the only, thing, the only way I know that I can say this to you, and it's, it's effective and biblically correct, is if you don't know Jesus, He's not your Lord and Savior. This whole approach, this whole uh, battle plan that God gives us on how to deal with trials and see in the grace of God, You won't be able to locate it. You won't be able to find it if Jesus isn't in your heart. I want to encourage you today that Jesus died for you. He suffered and died for you to take away your sin so that you could come into relationship with him, that you could have eternal life. The Bible says that we are saved by that grace. We have to first be saved. The the grace of God has to quicken our spirit First, to make us children of God and born again, it says we're saved by grace through faith. So if you've never given your heart to Jesus before, you've never opened yourself up to make him Lord in your life. Maybe you've heard about him. Maybe you've been in church before and you've heard stories and all that, but there's never been a personal relationship for you with Jesus Christ. Today is your day. Today is your moment because the grace of God, we are saved by that, but it's only through faith and not of works. Meaning you just have to believe that Jesus is who he said he was, that he's the son of God, suffered and died for your sin to take away that sin so that you could have eternal life in heaven after this. I want to lead you in a prayer today. If you say, pastor, I've never given my heart to Christ before. Or maybe you've walked with Him in the past, but you've just turned away and your relationship with God has grown dull and grown cold. Your spiritual hearing is desensitized and you, you know that it's time for you to get back to walking with the Lord again. If that's you in either one of these situations, right where you are, in your home, in the area that you're at today, I want to invite you to just open up your heart. Again, the grace of God is not limited by proximity or location. You're probably feeling the presence of the Lord right now, even as as I'm speaking this. That's the tug and the pull, the draw of the Holy Spirit upon your heart right here in this moment. Open up your heart to Him. You say, dear Jesus, I turn from my old life. I turn away from what I've known and where I've been. And I turn entirely to You. I have no dependency upon myself or in anything of this world. God, I place my full trust and dependency in You and in You alone. I believe that you are the son of God, Jesus, that you suffered and died for my sins and that you rose again and defeated the grave. And I believe it's through my faith in you alone that your spirit can enter into me and I can be born again and have the assurance of eternal life in heaven with you after this one. I open my heart and I surrender you to, to you today in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, God bless you. I just wanna say, listen, if you prayed that prayer, we wanna connect with you. We want to help you move forward in this journey that you're on, growing in your faith, growing in your relationship with Christ. We want to connect with you. We want to help you to walk out this calling, this purpose that God has for you in your life that's special, that's big, and that's meant for you to make an impact in this world. I, I would like to ask you to allow us to help you do that. You could simply send us an email to info at lifechurchx.com. Just let us know that you made a decision to follow Christ today or that you're interested in taking the next steps in your journey, whatever it is. One of the the leaders in our church will be in contact with you. We have some free resources that we can send you online and then we can continue to walk a process out with you of next steps week by week from here. Uh, to help you grow in your faith and your relationship with Christ, until we get to come together again here in our physical locations, I just want to encourage you now before you walk away from your computer to shoot us that email, shoot us that contact, so that we can follow up with you very soon. Listen, everyone else is listening. From Katie and I, our family, from the leaders at Life Church X, God bless you. May He be with you. May His countenance shine upon you may he be gracious to you and may he give you peace we love you so much we're looking forward to staying in contact with you in the days ahead tune in on tuesday for t3 and have a wonderful beautiful day with your families where you are right now godspeed everyone